Let me say two things first. First, let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We'll get there also on the screen if you forgot your Bible. But, you know, the way to find Acts, if you don't know, just get to the New Testament, which begins with Matthew. Right after the four Gospels, after the Gospel of John, you'll find the book of Acts. I also want to say this. You know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Yes? That's another way of saying faith does not come when it's not heard. Some of you have sometimes expressed that it could be difficult, depending on where you sit, to hear well. These are all in the these are all in the welcome center. Yes, right as you come out, there's a welcome table right there. Uh, if you ask for one of these, I've had several comments that we never really knew they were there. But I hear so much better after I connect with one of these. So if you pick one of these up. Uh, that would be helpful if, if that's your issue. But anyway, in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, we have this tremendous, incredible story. And I want to highlight uh, what I highlighted also earlier, that, that this is today the church's birthday. We probably should have sung happy birthday to the church. The church was born by the Spirit of God. All the way around the globe, as I said, millions and millions of Christians and millions of churches, for that matter, really, are celebrating this very moment, this day, and around the so-called Western world or the Christianized world, whatever you want to call it, um, this is traditionally always a, a, a holiday, right? Or a holy day, as we probably uh, should should call it, right? Christians, who are those who call Christ Lord, celebrate Christmas to remember and to celebrate his coming. We gather those of us who are followers of Christ uh, in a very special way to celebrate that he broke the power of death when we gather at Easter around the cross in the empty tomb. And near today, that third leg of God's redemption story is the outpouring of God's spirit. That without which we could not ever have fulfilled the Great Commission. Right? So don't, don't kind of try to say, well, this is also. No, this is one of the three great, great legs of the redemption story. And here's how it goes in chapter 2 in, um, in the Acts of the Apostles. So when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound uh, like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. When they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. Now there were uh, Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people uh, from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each, her, each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astonished and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? 
How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongue. And they were astonished and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? And then we go down to verse 17. Peter began to preach. Let me just read verse 14 also here with this. He stood up and preached. And then we go here and he says like this, It will be in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And then let's, let's jump to verse 37. And after Peter finished his sermons, when they heard this, they were pierced to their hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, uh, and said, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged him, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Listen, friends. We are at this point. Pentecost, the 50th day, if you will. After Jesus arose, he walked among uh, people on earth for 40 days. And as he was leaving, he said, wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out. And when it is, you'll receive power and you'll become my witnesses. Not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea, in Samaria, and everywhere around the world. And they waited. And then on that 10th day, God poured out his spirit. And oh, what a day it was. All fear was gone. Instead of hiding in an upper room, they now got outside. They began to proclaim. They began to speak with power and conviction in ways that they had not known before. Listen to this. The church is born by the Spirit of God. And forever since, whenever God's people gather in His name, Christ Himself will be right here by His Spirit. And today, friends, is this day of celebration. It is normally considered a high attendance day around. It is a feast in many places. If you look, they will call it Pentecost feast because it is this celebratory empowerment from God himself to his church. 
So today, today almost 2,000 years ago, since the church was found, since the church was founded, this foundation that we are building on today goes right there. It was laid down then, and proclamation, or preaching, if you will, as we understand it as Baptists and as Bible-believing Christians, go right back to then. It finds its model and its shape in Peter's first sermon on that first day of Pentecost. In fact, our very self-understanding, our, our purpose as gospel-trusting, gospel-focused believers, if you will, is expressed right here in these last verses that we read just a minute ago uh, in the end of Peter's sermon when they say, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized and you will receive the Holy Spirit. As a gift from God. So, can I highlight it once again, the significance and the power of this. If our testimonies, friends, if our lifestyle loses this appeal to surrender, this kind of call to repentance... This kind of promise of power, we have lost what could be called biblical or New Testament gospel Christianity. That's where we are. That's the power of what's going on. But I want you to see what is happening here. This is so strong. That it enables the church. That's us. That's you and me. Unless we ourselves stand in the way. God poured out his spirit that we would be able to communicate the gospel to every person in this city. In fact, in every city, in every nation, in every place around the globe. It gave the power for us to communicate the gospel to every culture, to every generation, to every group and every subgroup. That's the power. If you're wondering why I highlight that, did you notice when we read? Did you notice exactly how much detail that the, that Luke went into when he wrote this? He could have just said, well, there were people from everywhere around the nation, but he didn't. He said, look, he said, how is it that we who are Parthians and Medes and Elamites, do you remember all these people who are here? How is it that they can hear the language? And he goes on detailing out. And if you had a map and you can put all these things together, you will realize very soon that that is everything around. Everything around uh, Jerusalem right there. The whole thing. It was truly the case that what Jesus had said right before he ascended That when the Spirit comes, you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses right here where you live. Right there in that region. Even beyond that region, in fact, all the way to the ends of the earth. 
regardless of race, regardless of, of generation, regardless of subgroup, regardless of who these people are that are around us, God has given you the power to communicate the gospel to them if you would get out of your own way. That's the whole point that is being made here. Three things happen, friends, when you look at this. Three things. When the Holy Spirit gave the birthday gifts to the church, or when they met for the party, if you will, first you see that it is every disciple, every follower of Christ that receives a clear understanding of the purpose of Christ in God's plan. You see that? The Spirit was placed on each of them, not just on all of them. They received a robust sense, number two, of who they are, of their identity. That is a new clarity of their purpose and the urgency of God's plan. Who are we as God's messengers? That is nailed down right there for you. If you wonder about your identity, do so no longer. It is right there. And the third thing mentioned here, of course, is that they all received an unprecedented boldness in their, in their speaking and in their proclamation of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. It was indeed as Jesus had promised. So, can we look at the three things in different ways, maybe here, right? First, we see that the coming of the Spirit uh, transforms your relationship to God. You know, we all have habits. That happens to our work, our walk with God as well, right? We just have habits. And some of them are good and some of them are not good, yes? Some of them are just not. You've got habits that are no good. Just admit it, right? Let me just give you one example. So you go and you buy... A burger, double cheese, double burger, large fries, and a Diet Coke. <laughs> right? Or, or it's, a, it's, just, it's just habit. Why do you do that? Well, I don't know. It's just habit, right? Or, or you have this wonderful, beautiful garage. Some of them may even be cooled and, and heated. Who knows? They're beautiful. They protect things from the element, right? And it's filled with cardboard boxes and junk that it's worth a combined five bucks, right? While you have a very expensive car sitting outside. Why are we doing that? Well, I just have it, right? And that happens sometimes with our walk with God. It just becomes what we do. We're not really paying much attention and putting much thought into these things. But listen, when the Spirit came, everything was made new. Everything changed. There's no more closed meetings behind closed doors. There's no more fear for people and their ridicule and their their threats. No, there was a complete Renewal. Notice it. Look at the text here and just notice here that there was this change from, from just humdrum into creativity, from, from concern uh, into conviction, if you will, from grief to gladness. We can go on silence to utterance, from introversion to invitation, 
from still to storm, everything changed. Why? I think because God Almighty has created this renewal in their life so that transformation will give them a life filled with joy. We need to hear this. One of the strong characteristics of the Spirit is that it fills people with joy. And if you're not sure about this completely, you didn't look just about any place you want to. Paul says in, in, in Romans that, that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What if you're to list the, the first three kind of aspects, if you will, of the fruit of the Spirit? What is that? Love, joy. And peace, right? It comes again and again and again with this. In Acts chapter 13, the disciples, it says, continue to be filled with joy. It's just there. And if you go to Thessalonians, Paul makes a direct connection to how it's easy to, to still have joy in the midst of tribulations. You all remember... Uh, Andrew Crouch. To me, he is one of the greatest hymn writers of the 20th century. But one of the early songs he did is more a song really than, than a hymn, but, but it is so riveting with this, right? When, when he just says, somebody told me about the joy they had. Some of you are singing now. Somebody told me, right? That in sorrow, they could be glad. Yeah. Somebody told me that they were bound but now set free. I didn't think it could be until it happened to me. And then what turns right around, second verse. Now I can tell you of the joy I had that in sorrow I can be glad. Because now it happened to me. You know, what's the thing about joy? You can't hide it. You can't hide joy. It can't be a theoretical thing. You know, when kids are really happy, they squeal. When fans get really happy, they shout. When friends get really happy, they're extra kind to one another. When strangers get really happy, they begin to talk to one another. Joy needs to find a way out. It can't be hidden. There is a joy, friends, that belongs to those who have received God's birthday gift to the church. Changes our relationship to God and to one another. You move on, you'll see also the coming of the Spirit. It gives boldness to your testimony. Notice Peter. We know about him that he, he was fearful. But then when he had the tongues of fire, not just fire, but tongues of fire, if you want to translate it that way, fiery language baptizing him, everything changes. We know how it was. 
He always had a big mouth inside the crowd, yes? And then he met a little girl who said, Are you a follower of Jesus? And he denied it three times. And now, that same Peter, not a fearful Peter, but a bold Peter. And he stood up, it says, and he raised his voice and he proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all residents of Jerusalem, let me explain to you and pay attention to my words. Clear, bold testimony. Can we imagine this? 120 people in the upper room. What are we finding? We're finding that the reason we're here today, had it not been for their testimony, we probably would not have been here today. And if the church's proclamation, if the church's testimony, if you will, is not characterized by that kind of boldness, we might not be here in the next generation. Yes? Will there be a strong First Baptist Church of Louisville for our kids, for our grandkids? The Spirit gave boldness to the testimony. And that boldness always comes, friends, when you give it first priority. When witnessing becomes first priority. When sharing your faith becomes first priority. We have so misused that word in church settings that we think it has to do with something. I don't know what we think it has to do with. But it's a pretty concrete word. It's a banking term. And it simply means what you pay first. If there's enough, the others will be paid also. But this is what you put first. Think about this. If you're wondering what your priority is, think about what you speak about. When you talk to friends. What fills your conversation? If you don't know what it is, I'll tell you, it's what has priority in your life. That's just how it is. And if there's time for other things, that will come too. Priority always wins out. The result here of the coming of God's Spirit is bold sharing of faith. And when that happens, amazement spreads. If you look at how many times this amazement and, and as wonder are used in this text, you will be amazed. <laughs> Just notice what is happening here. They all knew that they were from Galilee, and then they, they hear them speak in so many ways, and they are astounded. They are so astounded, they can't make heads or tails around this, and so they suggest they must be drunk, filled with alcohol, inebriated. Because that is the only way. We've gotten so used to this in this world that the only way to experience real joy is if we are on something. It can't be right. 
But what is the promise of this book, of this Holy Spirit, of the coming of God's own presence? It is exactly that that is the real thing. Where the kind of joy that you might have for, for a moment when, when someone is inebriated on some kind of drug, whatever it might be, that would be momentary, not lasting, not qualitatively strong like this. The joy that comes from God's spirit is not superficial, it's deep. In fact, it's life changing. It's not destructive. And separating and divisive and isolating. To the contrary, it is healing. It brings people together. That is the emphasis on this here as we look at that in the beginning here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. God's spirit brings people together. Are we hearing this? That would be, let me, I got to just say this, really, this is something that just struck me here. The word for the devil is diabolos. The the verbal form of diabolos, diabello, you don't need to learn Greek, but diabello means that that you throw things away from one another. Diabello is, that's often translated, the slandering, right? So you slander or you separate, you divide, isolate. The opposite is the Spirit of God that unifies, that brings people together. So let me ask you on this Pentecost Day 2023, are there people... Who, when they look at you, see a joy that is so radiant and so different from what they normally see that they wonder, what is going on with her? What is going on with him? I need to get what they have. I'm sorry to say that I run into people sometimes that just put it bluntly to me that say, why would I ever want the kind of God they worship in the churches? He seems to be powerless. He's not making much difference at all. They just gather and say stuff and sing stuff. He's not changing much at all. If I'm ever going to need a God, it's going to be a God that truly can take my life and turn it around because I'm a mess. And friends, at that point, it is, there's no argument stronger than this to say that God I know because he changed me. But see, you can only say that if he actually changed you. See, that's why we're not playing games. That's why we need a true touch from God Almighty. Because that's what brings salvation to people, and that is how this ends. Notice what's going on here. 
There are some that says, well, 3,000 baptized in, in one day. That's just because it's one of these great moments in the history of God, and it was defined. That may that be. That may be. I'm not saying that. But may God have mercy if we ever get to that point where so many churches, far too many churches are today, when it is the exception rather than the norm that people come to faith in Christ. When they heard him speak, they were pierced to the heart. They knew they had heard something that they needed to respond to. That's the call for each and all of us in every context where we find ourselves and certainly when we're together also here. You know, it's a lot of talk these days about what should churches do when they see there's not as many as there used to be in churches and this is almost a global, certainly it's not a global thing, but it's a global western northern hemisphere kind of thing. And we turn to the book of Acts, and they are just as keenly interested in this as, as we are today. Just about every page, it, it talks about the numbers that have now been added to the church. But no place do we see conversations about how we can do something that is really cool, that may attract more people. Every place we see them come together on their knees, every one of them on their faces before God, crying out to God to fill me with your spirit, O Lord, that I may walk more faithfully with you. That's the point. And I have to ask myself, I have to ask you, when I was thinking through this text, I said, could that be us? First Baptist Church of Louisville, on this Easter morning, could that be us? That we ready to see God move in a way that we might never have seen him move before in our midst. Only you can answer this. But that is the charge and the challenge. And the reminder on a feast day like this, where we celebrated that he didn't just ascend and say, you are on your own, but he sent his very spirit to be with us. Yes. Friends, let's stand. Some of you may need to grab someone's hand and say, can I just say a prayer with you? Some of you may want to come down here, whatever that is. We're going to gather around the Lord's table in just a minute. There will be another time to pray. But friends, please, please, and those of you who are listening from home or from wherever you might be located uh, on a weekend like this, make it your point to read that text. Ask God these questions and respond to him in a way that truly shows that your heart is with these first disciples. Father, I ask if there are some here that need to know you in a new way. They may have, have called you Lord for a while, but they need this 
reinvigorating power of the Holy Spirit. Call them, Father. Call them forward. Call them to pray with someone else. Let them ask a staff, someone. We ask for whole classes, Sunday school classes, Bible study groups, friend groups of friends wherever they meet. May that be the priority. There might be some here that have never even known of the Spirit, who have not come to faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Speak to them. They sit someplace else, Lord, call them here that we may pray with them and talk to them about you being their Savior. Father, we want to see everyone together gathered in one place. And so if there's some that needs to come back, some that needs to join this fellowship, may this be the expression, even this Sunday, of Pentecost. All of this we pray in your name. Amen.